Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. Welcome back, listeners, to the finest phototainment in the world. That's right, you're listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, an irreverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. Listeners, this week we have a very special guest. You might know him from... Wait, wait, two weeks in a row? Two weeks, two in, weeks a row? in a row? Holy cow. Let's just cut to the uh, episode because, or the interview, because I introduced him there. So, you ready for this? Let's do it, Steve. I'm always surprised. This week, we are joined by the man in red velvet himself, Mr. Jimmy Ferrara. Jimmy is a photographer from the Hudson Valley in New York who has been shooting weddings for the last 15 plus years. He's a regular, would you call yourself a host, a co-host, a recurring guest on the Wedding Photographers Unite podcast? A super host? Super host? A super host? Okay, I'll take that. Jimmy's a super host on the Wedding Photographers Unite podcast. He has earned his Master's of Photography with the PPA in 2010, a PPA Craftsmanship Award in 2018, and he is also a PPA Certified Professional Photographer. And before Jimmy started out doing weddings out of his own studio in Cornwall, he worked in the motion picture and film industry and was exclusive with the Saturday Night Live film unit until 2003. That's a great intro. Jimmy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. You did your homework. (laughs) That's great. The deepest of dives. By I did my homework, I think what you mean is I went to your about page on your website. Oh, and just read that? (laughs) (laughs) I read that and then wrote it out in my own words. There you go. I like the red velvet thing. That was slick. That's that's from your uh, New Year's Eve party. uh, It was. I had went to, in this area, if people know, like, shopping, there's a... uh, a, a town, soon to be a city of its own, in a sense, called uh, Woodbury Common. Mm-hmm. And they have like outlet centers. It started off as like kind of really basically outlet centers and, and for high end and, and maybe Gap and Levi's and stuff like that. Then it just grew and grew. And now it's it's like a little village and the place looks nice and stores are really, really nice. You don't even think you're in a an outlet center. And it's extremely big. They're building like a hotel now and more restaurants and talk of a casino, I don't know, the helicopter pad, all this stuff. And it's just under an hour from the city. So I don't really go there. People in this area don't go there Mm -hmm. much because they can't stand it. But (laughs) since it's changed, (laughs) I went there recently with my friend and uh, went all over and got some good stuff. And when I saw that jacket, I was like, this is great. And it's 45 bucks. So I got it. And then I'm like, I can pull this off. I can put off a red velvet blazer with the, you know, the tuxedo lapel. And I wore it that night new year's eve and then a few weeks later the golden globes surfaces with ryan seacrest wearing the exact thing i wore i think i had a vest on and he didn't he borrowed it from you he probably did (laughs) stole it right from me but white shirt bow tie vest black pants and then since then it's like that's that was the ongoing little joke with me and ryan seacrest (laughs) i tweeted him but he didn't get back to me he didn't get back to you no He's working on it, I was told. Mm-hmm. He's probably doing the same thing Steve just did with the intro. I wanted to you know, talk to me and do his research yeah, better. Definitely. Just tweet him and just be like, uh, uh, when you're done with that jacket, you know, Ryan, if you could bring my jacket back, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that, sh- that, would, that would have been the better tweet. And then tweet him a photo of you wearing it. 
or a side by side, who wore it best? <laughs> well, this is cool, guys. I'm I'm glad I'm on the show. This is great. We are glad to have you. You can now add to your IMDb post uh, that you were a uh, guest on the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast. Podchaser, Dustin. Yes. It's called Podchaser. Podchaser. It's the IMDb of podcasting. Yeah, you're on it. So is Jimmy. That is a thing? Yeah. Holy cow. I learn something new every day. Hmm. Podchaser. I need to write this. <laughs> Don't waste too much time on it. So, Jimmy, we wanted to have you on. I listen to you, the show you do with Neil and Andy, Wedding Photographers Unite. It's a really fun show. Mm -hmm. You bring a lot of energy to the show and stuff. And I thought maybe you could just bring some of that energy to our show, let Dustin and I relax for a little bit, take this week off. Is that cool? Or Okay. That's cool. I can talk. Jump into super host <laughs> mode. <laughs> so you got your start in the film and motion picture industry. Did you just work for SNL or where else did you work? Yeah, I was always New York based, but around like, uh, say like the late nineties, I really, I was into the film business. I worked as a camera assistant. Mm -hmm. So, which meant technically there's two people that operate a camera. One pulls focus, one operates it. And then uh, I was the focus puller, which is in other countries, it's called the focus puller. Mm -hmm. So I was also in this country, that's also the department head. So when like lighting and grip and camera get together, it's, it would be me lighting department head, which is the gaffer and then key grip under grip. And I really, I did enjoy it. I loved it on the creative level. It was almost zero because mm -hmm. there's nothing you're doing creative except for focus. And that's kind of, you know, you need to keep the actor in focus. So you, your creativity is, is limited. So I'd really missed doing Photography, because I was always into photography growing up and in high school and college and all that. And then uh, in my house, I looked at my basement. I'm like, you know, I can make a dark room again. I can do this. This is, this is easy. I got plenty of free time. And I did. And then I bought a large form, uh, medium format camera, and, which was remarkable compared to 35, and did a lot of that. Did some gallery shows along, you know, like in, locally and then in the city and stuff like that. And then along the way, just because I had a good camera and people knew I was into it, so I was doing it all one-man operation, I just got some portraits handed my way. Then I started working with a photographer and said, I can make one of my spare bedrooms a little studio. Did that. Then uh, weddings fell on my lap. And before you know it, in 07, or in 03, I started the business officially. And then in 07, I had to leave the film world and um, I was just too busy, but I also loved doing it. It was, I remember going into camera service center in Manhattan and, and just not necessarily hating what I was doing, but I couldn't wait to get out mm -hmm. and go to B&H and just walk around, buy some more stuff and being <laughs> on set with SNL and then just not being there hundred percent. I could feel it that I was like, I just don't want to do this mm -hmm. anymore. So I, I left on my own, you know, terms. Well, at least the film world. Yeah. And it was, I, I loved SNL. There were, that was a good group. They really kicked my ass as far as, you know, getting, getting stuff done in like a six hour yeah. day. So, which really helped shaped how I became a wedding photographer. Cause I'm like, look, you know, you guys know, of course you sometimes have 10 minutes with the bride and groom when you're supposed to have 45 or an hour because of, you know, makeup artist, oh, that eyelash, watch out, make sure that eyelash is perfect. And no one says anything mm -hmm. along the way. And now who pays the price? The photographer. Every time. Always the mm -hmm. case. I always get those uh, hurried like remarks from the wedding planner or the coordinator for the day. And they're mm -hmm. always like, hey, uh, we're running behind on this, 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 and this. Is there any way you can speed up portraits? And it's like, huh, oh, yeah, we already only had like yeah. 30 minutes for them because I felt slighted by you already. And now you're taking even more time away from me. Awesome. 
you should say this. You're like, you know what? I'll go super high shutter on my camera. It'll be like 18 frames a second. How about just hold that down for a minute and I'll just give you all those photos. <laughs> One pose. Yeah, I always just respond with, yeah, absolutely. Why don't we just cut portraits out all together? I think completely unnecessary. Definitely not why the bride and groom hired us. Definitely not. <laughs> this isn't something that's important to them at all. Um, in fact, why don't we, can we cut the ceremony out while we're at it? Like, I think that would save us a lot of time. Yeah. Um, get maybe half the reception. Who needs yeah. cocktail hour? They're going to be for well, dinner later. Let's just dance. Let's just go straight to dancing and then we'll all go home. Now early. we're describing a wedding I would like <laughs> to attend. <laughs> Which is just a dance party. Well, it'd be great. You know, maybe cocktail, leave cocktail hour in. I feel, I feel like we can all agree on alcohol needs to oh, stay yeah. in. Uh, alcohol, Cocktail dancing, no ceremony. You know, maybe no garter, no bo- bouquet, none of that stuff. No speeches. No toast. Yeah. Just dancing and alcohol. Oh. It sounds like a great party. It, it That's why does. rebranding Steve as a rave photographer. I'd be down. And planner. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Did uh, your time at SNL, Jimmy, uh, lead to any, like, shooting any of those guys' or gals' weddings? Oh, good question. No. Close a couple times. But I was kind of new at it. But it did, it did allow me to shoot some celebrities just because it was kind of on their radar. Mm-hmm. Because either they hired a photographer, and it wasn't really very legal for all this, but it, it, it was fine. And also, even when I wasn't, like, hired for it, I would you know, pull out a camera, shoot a Polaroid. And uh, I was big on the Polaroid 665, which gives you a uh, three and a quarter, four and a quarter Mm -hmm. print and negative that size. So it's almost large format. Wow. So I'd pull it to shoot a negative because back then we were shooting a lot of film. I only went digital the last few years Mm -hmm. when I was with them. And, you know, DPs like to uh, shoot just a Polaroid just to see contrast ratio, this and that. So I would shoot that and I would have the negative or I would just pull out a little, I I had this rangefinder medium format camera use that sometimes on set. And not that I really got me anything. I didn't really pursue any kind of celebrity photography mm-hmm. avenue, but hey, if it came knocking on my on my door, I would certainly take it. I mean, look what happened to uh that guy, I can't think of his name right now, photographer. Uh ah, hell hit me. When his roommate was um the famous actor. I I, I suck at this. Anyway, <laughs> I'll come back to it. But uh, he got his he got his start only because he was photographing his roommate, mm-hmm. his friend. You definitely know the name. I'm drawing a blank. And, uh, and he had all these great photos, a very lifestyle, lifestyle black and white photos of, of uh, Richard Gere, I think, on, on a beach and walking around. And anyway, so, but it, again, I was new in the business of photography. So, and I was in and out of Manhattan a lot. So if anything came my way, I'd be like, yeah, look at, look at my uh, portfolio. I got Halle Berry. I got Trump. I got uh, Elijah Wood. I got all these people that are like, legit you know lit and photographed and aware of a photograph being mm-hmm. taken but no never a um never a wedding all taken on that mamiya 645 i had uh a rb67 oh yeah fancy. I, did, I didn't do the rz but gotcha. then i had a, um this i forget what it was called it was a mamiya 7 the rangefinder one for yeah a year or two that's what, like, uh, back when I was in photo school, Mamiya 7s were, like, what everyone was trying to buy upon graduation because they felt like it made them... Oh, they're so nice, right? Made them feel so artsy. I was, like, the anti-art kind of kid. <laughs> just, wanted to ma- just wanted to make that money. Did you ever, did you ever shoot with um, Polaroid? Yeah, absolutely. 
I went to uh, RIT up in New York, so like <laughs> film was kind of... For, for listeners out there, Dustin mentioned RIT, so go ahead and take a drink. <laughs> is, that, is this like a drinking game? Yeah. Whenever we have a special guest on, there's a drinking game uh, I'm creating. And uh, it, every time Dustin mentions he went to RIT, listeners should be taking a drink. Jimmy took a drink of his coffee right when you said it. He's playing the game. I just didn't. I'm playing. Man, I need to get I'm in on these rules. Me. You don't know what's in that coffee? <laughs> Isn't it true that you could people developed um, film with the water, the lake water up there? Yeah, this is true. It, it is true. That's why my my images are so beautiful. And then when I moved back to Indiana, I couldn't I couldn't repli- replicate the process. Hmm. So I had to start peeing in my water before I developed my film to kind of give it that same sepia tone, Lake Ontario type vibe. Yeah. So were you drinking the chemicals that you used to develop film to get your pee really right for that? Because mm-hmm. I assume that's why the lake yeah. water could be used to develop the film, right? Yeah, because Kodak would pump all those chemicals into the lake. Yes. I feel like there's like a lawsuit coming. Because of this this podcast right here. Kodak ever hears this. Yeah, that's right. Jimmy, when you started doing photos and you started your own studio, was there like a... How, how did you plan to make that switch from pulling focus for SNL to suddenly you're going to be out in the business world running your own business. Do you have like some lead up time where you're investing into starting your own business and developing clients and stuff like that? Or did you just kind of make a fresh cut and then go? Well, that's a good question. I got to attribute most of that to time Mm -hmm. because I wasn't just with SNL. It was, I was with them for almost 10 years and then I did commercials. I also did, um, movies once the movies from like in the independent movies mm-hmm. got bigger and bigger just by the nature of working i, I didn't like them anymore the pressure was insane i i just it was like very stressful so after one movie i worked on was kind of it was, it was kind of big i was like that's it i don't want to do this anymore i really like doing commercials i really like snl mm-hmm. i like the season you know where we're kind of off in the summer and then doing a few commercials here and there in the summertime as opposed to a movie all summer in the heat of Manhattan, which isn't fun. So I'd worked maybe a hundred days a year. Mm-hmm. So that leaves a lot of free time to develop a skill, a hobby, trying to make it into a profession. I didn't think it would, it would be a full-time gig. Doing it part-time was, was kind of nice. You know, got a, a job here, a lifestyle shoot there, some portrait stuff. When I started doing uh, portraits, that black and white stuff I do, the close-up of someone's face. Mm-hmm. I only pretty much did that because that's the only space, the much space I had in a room. Yeah. And then uh, that blew up in my town. And I was I was shooting in my house, developing the film downstairs, making contact sheets, printing downstairs in the basement, and then framing in the basement. Mm-hmm. So I I barely left that basement and my house that whole that Christmas season. Stayed at home. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. It was it was great. And then once weddings, I remember my first wedding. I was assisting a photographer and during for a corporate shoot. And then during lunch, one of the guys asks the main photographer to, they're like, Oh, my daughter's getting one. You shoot weddings, right? And he's like, Nope, but Jimmy does. And I'm like, yes, I do. I certainly do. And then you know, a few months later, I'm on that wedding. And that was, that I believe was all film. I don't think I had a digital camera in 03. I think it was like wow. 04, 05. I forget. My first camera was a D50, mm-hmm. Nikon D50. Mine too. I love that camera. It was a great camera. It had a really filmy look to it. Mm-hmm. Like it had a, a like almost built-in grain and just a nice like contrast ratio. Yeah. Abs- I, Are you guys both Nikon? I shoot Canon. Okay. He's on the dark side. Yeah. 
And you're, you're Nikon? I'm Nikon, um, but we do have Sony stuff for when we do video. That's right. Uh, That's right. So I've been back and forth on taking the full leap into Sony for photo and video, hmm. but mainly because I just don't want to spend the money. And I know I'm not going to get out of my Nikon stuff for what I put into it. What, um, what's your arsenal? Uh, so for Nikon, I have the D4 and the D, I have two D750s. And then I have, since my wife and I both shoot, I have pretty much two of all the main lenses, 224 to 70s, 270 to 200s. We have an 85. Uh, we have a 50. We have the 14 to 24 and the 105 macro. And that's a nice setup. Yeah. I had the D3, D3S mm-hmm. and then jumped right to the D5. And then I talk about, we talked about this on the Unite podcast. You know, it was like mirrorless was a, like last year was the, the rave. Mm-hmm. And I had picked up a little, like a point and shoot that I loved. And I, I loved it for when it was late daylight and sunlight. And you can, even though the viewfinder was small, it still was a viewfinder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can see what I'm getting. And I, I love that because as opposed to, taking your camera and the sun glaring in your eye, you're blind. You can't see anything because you're looking at literally the sun shining into your eyeball. And, but I wasn't ready to go to Sony. I was hoping Nikon would step up. They were getting later and later. So earlier this year, I just said, that's it. Let me just, let me get this Sony a seven three. Cause I didn't want to spend the money on the a nine. And when a three came out, I'm like, that's it. I got to get it. It's cheap enough dual card slot the whole thing i'll have to explain to you guys uh you do have to explain dual card slots to dustin he only shoots to one card oh oh, right i remember that part i remember that episode (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point i just just Um, have faith i have faith in my equipment well that's a whole other topic but uh (laughs) i mean yeah true and then it was mid-june i brought that on a wedding that my wife and i were shooting and a place we know very well and i said to her look i gotta dive in with this i can't just it up and play with it because i'm going to love it too much Mm -hmm. and i really need to know if i like this camera and system so i had one lens at the 28 native sony and then i had an adapter for the nikon lenses Eh, it doesn't really work that well but it it did the job and uh halfway through prep i was like oh i love this thing she's like do i get to keep the d5 then i'm like yeah okay (laughs) and she has the d5 and (laughs) she's in the background over there and uh, which is which is what I was planning to do anyway, because I love that camera. I don't, have you guys ever picked up that thing and just popped off of a shutter? You, you're just you're amazed and how it feels and how fast it is. It's just so tight and snappy. It's an amazing camera. I don't ever want to get rid of that camera. Mm-hmm. So eventually, I bought some more Sony lenses and sold some Nikon lenses. Sold my uh, D3S that she was using. And now I'm fully Sony for weddings, uh, flashes, lenses, all that. And uh, my bag's a lot lighter. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I go out, I go out the, I just approach the day differently now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have this little bag I carry on my, on my side or around my shoulder that has my primes because it weighs nothing. They're tiny. And, you know, I'm not into the whole big Zeiss glass just for half a stop more mm-hmm. because the lens is like three times the size. It's like the point of going Sony for me was the, you know, 50 millimeter is so tiny. The 80, even the 85, 1.8 is so small. Weighs nothing. I really love it. I, I, but it's mostly about seeing what you're getting as you're going along. Yeah. And the tilt screen is great. Uh, I talked about this on a podcast recently. I've been using a monopod yeah. past year or two. And I can't tell you how great that is for 
totes because you don't know how long a toast is going to go on for. And if you, you plant yourself down, you got a good range, got a good zoom on your, on your lens, on your camera. And I'm just there. Just, that's it. I'm just sitting down or standing up, doing what I'm doing. And I'm I, no weight. It's fantastic. People always talk about, oh, my back, my back. Get a spider holster. Get this strap. Do you stand throughout the entire toast? It depends. I, I'd rather not because I'd rather just, there's going to be an empty seat towards the perimeter yeah. of the dance floor. And no one, no one ever says, if I go up to him, I go, you know, just emotional. Oh, can I sit there? No one's going to ever say no. <laughs> like, yeah, of course, of course. So. I feel like, I'm sorry. That seat is reserved. Yeah. Do, do you use a battery grip on yours or are you going yeah, full? Yeah. Yeah. I have the Sony battery. I like the way it feels. It's a little small without that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially if you shoot with like a D5, like. Like as I shoot with the D4, without that battery group on the Sony, it just felt like foreign to me. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love it. I love it. We talked about that a lot in the podcast. So the problem I was running into when I, I did a, an engagement session full Sony, and I was just, I was overshooting with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid if I brought that into a wedding, I'm already shooting like five to 6,000 frames at a wedding that oh I would God. be shooting like double that with sony that's a lot we 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 round in it maybe three thousand total both of us yeah and that's a lot yeah i i try to stay around 1500 it usually creeps to like 18 or 2000 if i'm the main and then or if i'm doing groups too you know i'll fire away at groups because i just want one frame you know i don't that's fine i don't i don't think i shoot the d5 is tricky because i think so fast and the oh, only thing, I, the, what I miss about the Nikon system, especially the D5, is like I said, the snappiness of the shutter. Mm-hmm. You don't even see it. You can see someone blink if they're, they're taking a picture and someone blinks. You can see their eye either go down or come back up again. That's how fast mm-hmm. it is. The clack of the Sony shutter, I don't like hearing. It is mm-hmm. more like a clack. And someone said that word to me and I'm like, ah, you're so right. It is that sound, isn't it? Well, it's like artificial. Yes. Yeah. And you can't always go silent either right which is just weird sometimes and the whole issue of shooting mirrorless with a strobe is something to get used Mm -hmm. to it's a hurdle you have to just accept it's good and bad but it's it's not the same as like shooting with the dslr and i'm i've gotten used to it i'm okay with it what's different about shooting with a strobe with a mirrorless well here's okay so you're looking at an electronic Mm -hmm. image which is fine. It's, it's usually, it's, if you got light in there, which you always have some kind of light, it's still bright. It's actually brighter than mm-hmm. it is with a 2.8 lens on a DSLR. But it's the, when you pop it, you're not going to, you can't just look at the back of the screen really quick to see if your flashes are firing, if anything's too off. You got remote flashes, you make sure you're not seeing your own kick of the flash, all that kind of stuff. So you're either going to see it through the viewfinder or you have to hit play to see mm-hmm. it. Unfortunately, with Sony, I wish they fixed this, is the slowest time to see an image is two seconds even my leica has a one second option Mm. i want to see half second i want to see one second and two seconds and even better yet i'd love to see picture in picture yeah somewhere in the viewfinder or the back of the screen you know because they they're mirror each other's i don't know of a way to just look through this viewfinder and then have the screen in the back be the image Mm -hmm. So that'd be cool. Yeah, I know. But it, the easy thing is to make it a one second and then a half second option. So it's just for a split second, you know, you got the image, the, your strobe's fired, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're like, you shoot it and then you hit the trigger button again to activate 
live. And it's, you know, when people are dancing and everything's going crazy, I don't want to see that. So I'm constantly right. turning that off, the auto review. I'm constantly on, off, on, off, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do give you a lot of that custom function ability to mm -hmm. turn that live. I think I have it where it's like the trash can button turns the live oh. view on and off on mine. Okay. Yeah, and also, but it is nice for groups. If, you know, we're doing a controlled group shot with the, with the off-camera flash, it's nice to look through it and go pop, and you got like eight people in the frame. For that two seconds or less, you can see if all eight people blinked or yeah. not. You know, so I'm definitely shooting less with groups with a strobe. And now when you say strobe, are you using like Godex? Are you using, what are you using? Yes. Yeah, I was, we were both Fotex for a while, and they kind of pissed us off after a while. Whoa, 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 you can't just breeze over that. How'd they piss you off? <sighs> a lot of misfires. Okay. A lot of misfires. I had to send in, we had six. Mm -hmm. We each go out with three. Either three off, one on, two off, two off, whatever the case is. Do you guys shoot in different places on the same day then? Or are you guys shooting together? Uh, we, sometimes, sure. We split mm -hmm. up, yep. But even if we're, uh, if we're at the same place, lately this past year we're like look we both don't have to go to trigger happy at the reception so it was i had i've had to send in all those flashes at least once to fotex to get repaired or whatever my local it was a drive wasn't too far away and it just got annoying where it, all of a sudden the, it wasn't working at all it wasn't turning on wasn't firing wasn't doing anything and the, the whole double a thing just ugh, that's annoying mm -hmm. so annoying you know, with the rechargeables, you plug them in, all of a sudden one just decides, nope, not going to work anymore. That's it. Buy a new one. I'm like, great. So the lithium battery option is fantastic. Just pops it in, pops out. And uh, there's been some misfires with the Godox. It's not a perfect system, but it's definitely better. And, you know, I, I don't have another option. I'm not buying the, the Sonys. They're just too expensive. And uh, the Nikon ones are really expensive, mm -hmm. right? Those new ones. Yeah. Profoto ones. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Listen, I look like like this. If it's if it's really a big issue with misfiring, then okay. But it's it's here and there, and I look at it like eh, the image just never took. And, and we're right there. I can see that the the, fi the flashes didn't mm -hmm. fire. I'm just taking another picture. It's no big deal. Yeah, I will say uh, because our intern this year she shoots Sony. I convinced her to go with the A7 III, and uh, she was able to just jack that IS up uh, so much that she went like two months without ever even charging that flash because she was able to shoot such high ISO images with just a little pop of flash at a low power that just blew me away the quality. With the A7 III? Yeah. How high was she going? Uh, she was getting up to like 6400. Okay, yeah, that's about I think at a reception I'll, I'd like to be at 25, maybe 32. I'll right, which is that, as a Nikon shooter, like that's typically where I want to max out. So yeah. the idea of going above and beyond that's like scary. I'll be honest though, ISO comparison D5 to Sony is D5 is so much better. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. We I've, we shot with that D5 8,000, 10,000 higher, no problem. 25,000 wow. when you need to, you're like, yeah, okay, we'll just fix it a little later in Lightroom. Just, you know, add something to make it smoother. But, uh, we try not to, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that high with the Sony. It gets mm -hmm. a little noisy. But then it just looks like film grain and people love that. <laughs> True. <laughs> Look, it's grainy and black and white. That's cool. It's art. Yeah, it's, it's art. art. See? Yeah. It's art. So Natalie started shooting for you in 2010. 
Was that um, uh, before? Yeah, about that, about that. A little later, maybe eleven. We were we just started dating. Mm-hmm. Our story is a whole other episode. See, this is what and I was going to um, ask you next: Were you guys married before she started shooting for you, or not? No, no, no. And then I think I got to save that story for the United podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so we were in a wedding in in San Francisco, and uh, we took a few days to to go just to be by ourselves after the wedding. And then during the wedding, she's like, I'm kind of bored. Uh, let me take the spare body and shoot. I'm like, okay. So I gave her a 50 mil at a one four. We're kind of losing light at the reception. And she was just doing great with the people and talking to them and getting good reactions. I'm like, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've, that's the first time she ever picked up a DSLR. So I, I taught her like the technical aspects of, I'm extremely technical. Yeah. And then, and then in time, you know, she was assisting me the, a lot. And then. And then maybe two years later, started shooting our own stuff, mm-hmm. i say. Yep. It was a good transition. Um, speaking of Sony, uh, I don't know if Steve, if you wanted to talk about this, but... No. <laughs> they did just announce a big firmware update. Didn't know if you had seen this, had heard about this, if oh, you were no, excited about not. this. Hopefully yeah, they, they did the auto-review issue. No, it's um, more of they're uh, just enhancing and improving upon the autofocus system. Okay. They are refining the, where the camera can see a, an eye. Oh, and yeah, I heard about putting that. Putting camera assistants yeah. who pull focus out of jobs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you made the switch at a good time. You got in ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, it was a couple of years ago. I was on set locally. The Orange County Choppers is in my mm-hmm. town and I've done a couple of shoots with them. And I was hired to do, to be still photographer on set, which might've been my calling all along. I just never realized Mm -hmm. it. And then during the production, it was a non-union thing. I'm watching like a grip set up a light. I'm like, fine, that's the grip department. Then, then take the light and kind of do something. I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. Then he's working the dolly track. Then he's like holding the camera. I'm like, why is the grip carrying the camera? This is driving me crazy because a union person, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even touch a light stand, an Apple box, Mm -hmm. anything, not my department. I would not and they wouldn't do the same they would not touch a camera case unless it's on fire and they had to move it so and it works well it's a world oiled machine that when everyone's departmental like that but there was a simple shot of the of a camera dollying in to paul senior and the first ac could not get it and no one's moving and he's sending no marks and watching the the monitor and the camera i'm like man that's not what you do that's i'm driving it's driving Mm -hmm. me crazy i was so close because I kind of knew the director. I was so close to go to the director. I'm like, look, I, I don't mean to say anything, but I can, please, just give me a minute and I'll, I'll nail this. Take one, I guarantee it. Because I can tell people are kind of getting upset. I can tell that Paul Senior was like, like rolling his eyes, like another take, another take, you know? It's like, this is, you know, it's not, this isn't rocket science, people. But he, he ended up getting it and it was good. But it's just the, the nature, I think, of on set today, what filmmaking is like, where this. I, if it's not union, I think everyone's wearing too many yeah. hats and floating around too much. And I think that's the problem. I would, I would, it would drive me nuts if I was on set now. Yeah. The independent films and crazy. stuff that you were doing, were those not union then? Um, half and half. Half and half. Yeah. Some, some union, some not. What was the, uh, what was the independent film that broke your back and made you, made you quit? It was Requiem for a Dream. Really? Yeah. It was a hell. Mm-hmm. I was, it, it, long story short, I was uh, fired from that movie because I missed the focus uh, about, about four inches. Mm-hmm. And it's in the movie. It's when Ellen Burstyn's crying mm-hmm. at the yeah. table, talking to her son. If you notice, the focus is a little bit on her ear, not her yeah. eye. And that's my bad. 
and but the union got involved because the 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 camera operator hired for the job was off doing second unit work in another room doing like close-ups and the, all those weird things that in the mm-hmm. movie so the cinematographer was behind the camera he got all emotional he's crying he really can't see the image to tell and he can't sometimes it's hard to tell if you've ever been looking through a motion picture camera there's a shutter mm-hmm. so there's a flicker yep. so you're seeing half the image literally so it's it takes a lot to get used to to see that so i felt good i don't know i felt like i nailed it i didn't i was released and then my team quit my whole team quit after they wow. found out a second team came in they quit a week later wow. And then the third team finished the movie because it was just hell. It's just, I don't have a thing with that director because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just uncalled for. Cause I was a very good focus puller and it was a whole big, you know, we were doing handheld stuff at, at, with the 85, at like a 1.0 and I'm nailing it. I'm doing crane stuff, freestyle, like with a crane, the, 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 uh, like I'm like with a whip where the follow focus whip. So I'm connected to the camera. I'm nailing this focus. And the DP was like, He's like, I don't, I, he's like, this is not happening. You're not, you're not letting go of this guy. He's good. He's the, the best I've seen. And the, the director was like, nope, he's out. They also reshot that scene twice. And the original one, mm-hmm. like I said, the, where I missed the focus on her was, is in the movie. So it was just after that, I was like, I just, and I did a, a, like a week or two on, um, like 10 days on, uh, what was that movie called? Uh, Message in a Bottle mm-hmm. with Kevin Cosner and all that. And that was like, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> it was just so much pressure. <laughs> and it was just... I wasn't, I love the, like what we're doing right now, kind of hanging out and talking. That was like independent movie world Mm -hmm. in New York. It was so much fun. Yeah. You got to be best friends with everybody two days in, Mm -hmm. you know, you're there for like two, three months, whether you go off, you know, we had to go somewhere like, and stay overnight and and be away, like literally away in a hotel or or house for like three months. That was so much fun. It wasn't the case in the bigger movies. So when you're watching... When you're watching films now, do you, and you see like people misfocused, does that like, you're like, oh, that, you know, I feel for those guys. Or are you like, God, these guys suck. <laughs> it doesn't No, but I try to not comment much on movie making things now and then I'll comment, but it is, it, it's like good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget what movie we're just watching. I'm like, and I pause it because, uh, it was the simple things of like, you know, just a little push in of a dolly here to start the scene. And then another wide shot here and this kind of just you know for with me going into like prep for you know or a ceremony or anything when i'm shooting a wedding it's like i look at it like it's a movie like okay let's shoot a wide shot let's get the establishing shot off outside inside boom and then you go in for close-ups over the shoulder i still don't ever cross the line mm-hmm. when it comes to 180 you know a bride and groom at the at the altar unless i absolutely have mm-hmm. to uh like let's say i got a great shot and then bridesmaid moved and i don't have the shot anymore Okay, I'll cross the line to then get the, her Break the or his rules. reaction. Break the rules. Yeah, but that just looks weird. And, and wedding album, when you get those images lined mm-hmm. up, if everyone's looking left to right, it looks weird. Agreed. You know, you got to have the other person look right to left. My yeah. favorite part of photography versus when we shoot video is that I feel like I can break those rules. In video? No, in photo. Like, I feel like there are no rules for photo. I keep telling you, you shouldn't break those rules, Dustin, because then it translates over to your video and you're breaking the rules in the video and it looks really weird. <sighs> yeah. There's, there are some rules that they're a rule for a reason. And the, the, the crossing the line thing bugs the hell out of me if I see that in a movie. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I just can't, it t- jars you so much. Yeah. Jimmy, do you want to explain to the listeners who might not be familiar with uh, crossing the line what that is? The line? Okay. Imagine two people talking to each mm-hmm. other at a table, right? The line between them 
you just physically draw a line between them. The camera can be on both cameras, one on, let's say, Dustin, one on you, Steve, one mm -hmm. on you. The cameras can be anywhere on the line, so the, each person can look right down the barrel of the lens, right? Or they can stay on one side of the line. As soon as one camera crosses to the other side, if the close-up of you, Steven, is looking left to right, the other, when I go to Dustin, I go to you, you better be looking right to mm -hmm. left. It's just natural to someone watching it like you're watching a, a tennis match, yep. right? If all of a sudden, if everyone's now looking right, left to right, then left to right and left to right again, you, 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 you're like, who's talking who? I don't know what's going on, especially when it's like three, four or five people. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a script supervisor's nightmare yep. is, is the line when there's like a table of like 10 people. That's a real big issue. Because even today, there's not like five cameras running at once. There's, there's typically just one. Can we set, you know, you can't see equipment in the background. So that's the line. And then I'd still do that with definitely ceremony, um, definitely toasts. I'll stay on one side and I won't move from that side. So that when the person does the hand up with the champagne glass mm -hmm. uh, with the right hand and then looking, you know, camera right or screen right. Then the bride and groom are on the right hand side of the frame, looking left, looking right back at that person. It's a nice, you know, it, when it's I've in always the album, it's a nice. The 180 rule is that okay? 180 rule. Same thing. Yeah. When I was in school, they uh, they showed us. I studied like video production and stuff, and they showed us the scene from Ang Lee's Incredible Hulk movie with uh, Eric Bana and Jennifer Connelly, where they're like sitting at a table talking to each other, and then all of a sudden it just breaks the 180 rule and then the camera's on the other side of the table and it's incredibly disorienting well you know there is exceptions yeah. of course to everything and if the if the intent was to jar the audience for whatever reason maybe something was said uh, something's disclosed yeah. uh, then okay and that's that's a that's a, a trick that's used occasionally i i, I don't mind that but if you're going to cross that line then i then stay in that line See, I'm just trying to find the a way. I brought up Jennifer Connelly, trying to get back to Requiem for a dream so we yes, can talk more about your hate yeah. for Darren Aronofsky. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your first film that you ever worked with him on? Or did you work on any of his earlier uh, yeah. stuff? Okay. Um, so you didn't know what you were getting no, into? I didn't do I didn't do pie yeah. with, with Maddie Libatique. Um, I did another movie called, oh, what was it? I think Speed of Life. I forget what it was called. No, no, it was um, a movie with Declan Quinn, a cinematographer. I forget the name of this movie. Uh, Speed of Life I did with Maddie. Anyway, so I did this movie with Declan Quinn, and that movie was up against Pi at Sundance or one of the, one of the things, and it won. Mm -hmm. So when this movie, not Reckon, but a movie before that or even before that one, when uh, I was like in the interview process, Maddie knew my name because he's like, oh, I know, I know, I know your name because uh, you did the movie that that won over me mm -hmm. in um, in Sundance. I forget the name of the movie, but um, uh, so he kind of knew me. We got along great. We we worked together a few times since then. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, we worked on some commercials and some crappy music videos and stuff like that. But uh, but Darren was very cool to me beforehand. Like I would I would see him and I flew to L.A. to check the camera system out and and uh, Panavision and Tarzana and. It was great up until that, that moment, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny though, when I was, that was not long ago, I was talking about this and I was, I, I do workshops in my studio, uh, like once yeah. a year and it's like, you know, 15, 20 people there. 
And I'm mentioning this movie because we're talking about focus and I'm trying to explain depth of field to people because sometimes, you know, these there's amateurs with a decent camera. And at one point I mentioned that movie and I said that scene. And then one girl's like, she's like, oh yeah, I know that scene. And I know exactly what you're talking about with the focus. I'm like, <laughs> and I go, that was my bad. That was my fault. She's like, what, really? I'm like, yeah. And I explained the whole story. I nerd out like that That's all the funny. time when I'm watching stuff with Jen. I'm like, oh, they just miss focus there. It's like focused on his ear or behind them. And Jen's like, can you just watch the movie and shut the hell up, Steve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, I, it's hard to, to watch a movie when something cool is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not much of a Game of Thrones fan yeah. for the story because I don't know what the hell's going on. I know there's a dragon and a chick with blonde hair, but goddamn, is the cinematography phenomenal yes. in that in that show? Phenomenal. I'll pause it and be like, "Oh my god, look at this! This is there's no real daylight coming through that castle. That's all made up, of course." I'm like, "This is out of control." Well, you guys um, last week had the girls on from Secret mm-hmm. Life. That was great. It was a great podcast. Well, actually, it was just a couple of days ago when it. Whenever yeah. it came out, but uh, it was funny hearing Lisa talk about the ten year mark and how she's like, "That's it, I'm done." I'm yep. out. <laughs> I'm like, "It's only been ten years." I'm like, "That's really that's that's enough to kind of settle in and then get to the point where you're like, okay, it's a job, but I have fun with it, and you know, you can just roll out of the day and be like, "Yep, boom, 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 let's go home. Can't wait for the the day to be over and have fun along the way and make new friends." I I, I I'm 15 years in now, and I. I don't feel that way whatsoever. I mean, just, of course, jobs you dread. And at the end of the day, you're like, oh my God, this was hell. When did you start teaching workshops and stuff, though? Oh, that was a few years back. That was just for, um, just to use the space in my studio, just to kind of teach mm-hmm. people about, you know, a, a DSLR camera. And when did you start appearing on people's podcasts? That's a good question. I I was the Photobomb podcast. I don't know if you know that with um, Blu-ray and, yep. and Gary. I know those guys. I'm friends with them for quite a few years now. And then when they just started the podcast, I met Bouray at uh, Imaging USA. I don't know what year that was. Was that the year you spoke at Imaging or? I was my first year speaking okay. on a national mm-hmm. level. It was 15. And then they said, like, hey, you want to be on our podcast? I'm like, yeah. And I listened to a few podcasts, but I wasn't really into it. And then that's back then they were doing like uh, interviews of people. And please don't listen to those episodes. <laughs> don't just save yourself the trouble. They're not very... They're not very good. Hopefully they're, they're deleted. And so I did a couple with those. And then now and then I would chime in. They'd mentioned me and Natalie quite often on that show. And then Natalie picked up, she started listening to Unite with those guys. And then I started listening. I'm like, oh, I like these guys. They're, they're cool. And then they kept saying the wrong thing. They kept saying it's a bi-monthly podcast. And I chimed in somewhere on Facebook saying, you guys are really screwing us up. It's bi-weekly. <laughs> bi-weekly, not bi-monthly. And... Uh, so they thought it was funny. They had me on and then I was on again. And then they said, Hey, do you want to just be a part of the show? I'm like, yeah, I don't forget when that was. We're recording tonight. Are we recording our, uh, our, uh, there, our, whatever you want to call it. Um, mostly there, of course, hundredth episode is mm-hmm. tonight. We're recording that. So I should do my homework and find out exactly how long I've been on. Yeah. Cause I really do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I just brought it up cause Rebecca made the comment that at about 10 years, you either quit or you decide to get more into like education and teaching other people and stuff. And so trying to track when that was for you. Uh, I tried to, I put in for PPI and, and imaging, imaging won't, they won't let you speak two years in mm-hmm. a row. So uh, I did it in 15 and then 17. I tried for this past one. I didn't get accepted. I'll try again and I'll try it again for PPI. And we're going to PPI for the first time actually uh, in later the mm-hmm. next month. 
so I have a good, I can, I can put a class towards anything really wedding related, you know, album design, studio photography, lifestyle on location, off camera flash. I mean, we do all this stuff. Podcast, you know, super podcasting, hosting, superstar, red velvet, Jack and MFR, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> You have to start wearing the red velvet jacket to all... He's got to get it back from Ryan Seacrest first. We've already been over that's this. Good. That sucker is totally coming into Vegas with me. <laughs> there you go. I even have a blue one now. Nice. <laughs> Need like an emerald green one for that. Oh, oh, I wouldn't mind that. Just speaks money. <laughs> with a black turtleneck under it. Just saying. Yep. I uh, did want to talk briefly before we jump into questions. Um... Have you ever been scammed? Uh, outside of the uh, email saying, hey, want to hire you for your photography, kindly send us a contract and okay, we'll send you a check and the check comes in for $10,000 more. I know, but I thought I was once with this guy from New York, mm -hmm. heavy accent. It was, wedding was small, like elopement and it just smelled like a scam up until like a couple days before. And I'm like, I said to him like, look, I'm not leaving my town until we have some, I need some kind of deposit. I'm not packing up my gear, going into New York. It's just an hour away, but still, and, and doing all that without anything. So he sent me 500 bucks. I was like, okay, this looks like it's legit. And I went there and it was very legit. Mm -hmm. It was he, great, great guy. I, he, it was such a great day. Just the three of us, mostly the guests were only a few people and went in the cab and went around Brooklyn and came back and that was it. Wow. Outside of that, no, but that wasn't, that wasn't a scam. But right. in the beginning, when you get those emails, when they first surfaced a few years ago, they were like, uh, here's the check, but this can't be real. You know? And of course it's mm -hmm. not. It happened recently too. Steven, you, you were almost scammed a while back, <laughs> weren't you? Or attempted? <laughs> it was attempted. They sent me a check and it was not like on real paper. Like it was just on like printer paper. And I was like, what is it? We talked about it on the podcast. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But this uh, this scam um, that Stephen found that's going around, it's been going around. It just he sent me the link to the article, and it's blowing my mind. As someone who is a huge fan of like con man stories and movies, and like Ocean's Eleven, Dustin's and fanboying out about this uh, con artist who's conning a bunch of photographers, makeup artists. <laughs> producers really cinematographers out of their money yeah <laughs> thanks dustin <laughs> thanks for romanticizing this crime <laughs> so i'm on the villain side for this one. Oh, uh, like i was a huge fan of like matchstick man dustin, do you want to get to do you want to summarize the story for jimmy so he knows what the hell you're talking about <laughs> uh so we're calling it the wendy murdoch scam and uh i don't know if you're familiar with rupert murdoch's wife um but she's a loaded divorcee, uh, Asian philanthropist with uh, ties to art. And there's a scam going around where essentially you get an email um, saying that Wendy Murdoch would like to have you document East Asian culture or something to that extent. Would you be interested? And then they set up several phone interviews and itineraries and there's non-disclosure agreements signed. It's very official sounding and feeling. And they, I mean, they have people that you actually are talking to on the phone. Really? And, um, and it's typically rather last minute. They have, you know, somebody that's like backed out and they need someone. And uh, you, you end up because of whatever reason you have to buy your own plane ticket to get to 
Asia. And then, uh, but they're going to reimburse you as soon as the project is complete. And then once you're like on your way to the airport, you call and then she or her assistant tells you, um, by the way, there is a photo permit fee for Asia and you're going to pay your driver upon arrival for that. And, you know, you already have bought like $2,000 in plane tickets because it's last minute and they're super expensive. So you're like, well, I'm already in. Okay, whatever. And then you, you get there and you pay your driver, you know, 1100 I think this couple on the article paid them like 11 1200 bucks. And then they get to the hotel. The hotel was paid for. And, um, and then they get a call later that day letting them know that they had been disrespectful to the driver, uh, racist, all these things. Uh, they're thinking about pulling out of the project and firing you. So this couple's trying to backtrack and... They said, well, if you can pay the driver something and then also pay him for the remaining photo permits for the other cities we're going to, that might smooth things over. And so, you know, obviously all these red flags are coming up, but they're like trying to salvage this project. And so they pay the driver, go around taking pictures that day. And then the next day, like they call and say, you know, pulling the plug on the project. Wow. Sorry. I did not see that article. Yeah, and then and then they're stuck. It's a continuation of a scam that's been going for a while. Is I think first reported in the Hollywood Reporter, where they called the person the con queen of Hollywood, and she was calling up makeup. She started out calling up makeup artists in the UK, getting them to fly to Jakarta, Indonesia, to do makeup work or whatever, and then extorting them and leaving them stranded there. And then this mm. person, she imitates like. I think the biggest name I saw was Kathleen Kennedy, the lady who's in charge of Star Wars, and okay. then like Wendy Murdoch, a bunch of other people. And she can do accents. She can do all these different sorts of voices. She'll pretend there's kids like in the room with her that she has to talk to. Um, this couple is Henry Wu and Zori. I don't know. I don't know if they're married or if Zori has the same last name or what, but uh, they're from San Francisco. And they said like they called to talk to Wendy one day and her assistant said, I'm sorry, but today is Wendy's birthday and they looked it up online it was actually wendy's birthday so like she does a ton of research to figure out who these very powerful women are in like hollywood and throughout the world and then uses them mm. as like a hey i'm hiring people to do these jobs and leave them stranded so i mean went as far as like having like a wendy murdoch.com set up and email address and, yeah well, the, the, the first thing is there's no way in hell i would get on a plane and fly somewhere out of my own pocket. Mm -hmm. There's no way. We we had a wedding. This was this this wasn't really scammy. We just didn't think it would actually happen. Where a month out, talking to a past client of mine about a wedding in in Mexico, I was. She was like, "Yeah, we have a photographer there, but I don't know if we're happy with that." I'm like, "We have the date open. We can do it." Before you know it, she's like, "Let's do it." And I just had her pay um, just the, the initial cost of of the trans of the, the whole thing. You know, like said and done, transportation, airfare, both of us, hotel at the resort, the whole thing. So, and then ended up being like she owed she owed us money for a while, but and it ended up being just fine. But you know, when we got there in Mexico, we're like, I can't believe we're really here because I didn't think this was going to happen at all because the check like came in like two weeks maybe before we were supposed to leave, and we had to book the flight then, and it just it just seemed really like this isn't going to happen. But yeah, there was no way, no way we were going to fly to Mexico on our own expense just to, you know, 
she, even though I, even though I knew the woman mm-hmm. and I knew a lot of people there, wasn't going to happen. So, you know, I feel, I feel bad that this whole thing happened, but come on, would you guys do that? Would you guys fly to Asia? <laughs> well, that, that was the thing. It's like the, the grandeur of like, it could be real, you know, I'm right. work like it could lead to more, you know, assignments. Would I fly to Asia and front my own bill? Uh, definitely not after reading this article. So this brings up an interesting thing though. Last year, Dustin, you got pissed off at me because I was contacted by somebody who wanted me to fly to Asia and shoot their wedding. Specifically, the person wanted me to fly to Indonesia to Jakarta to shoot their wedding. And I gave them a quote that was super high and told them I wouldn't get on the plane unless they paid that in full ahead of time. And then I never heard from them again. And Dustin, you got mad at me because I quote, didn't play the game right. We could have gone to Asia and I could have brought you as my second shooter. And now I'm just, just now as you were talking about this, I was like, (laughs) I remember this whole weird thing happening where this person contacted me through Instagram and tried to like set up and tried to get me to pay for for plane tickets over there and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, no, none of this is happening. Oh yeah. I remember that now. You wanted me to get scammed, Dustin. (laughs) I just wanted to go to Jakarta with you, bud. (laughs) Whether or not you got reimbursed for it, that's another story, but... (laughs) Wow, Dustin. <sighs> but yeah, I don't think I've ever been scammed. I've had some family members scammed, but... I was scammed in New York years ago with... Uh, I was in college. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of us going down to do something in the city and, you know, some dude's like, hey, man, want to buy a video camera? Like, I'm like, camcorder. I'm like, yeah, well, cool, this is cool. I'm looking at the box and like, it's like 100 bucks. So I give him 100 bucks. Like, this is cool. Open up. There's a box of oranges. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my friends were ripping me a new one all the whole night. I was like, oh, damn, I'm like, damn it. You ate the oranges though, right? You know, I should have. <laughs> there, were, there were real oranges. It was just a box with the, and he, you know, immediately got the cash and got in the cab and, and left. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was a mistake. Yeah, I did a shoot in uh, New York City a few years back. And uh, it was like a conference, like a trade show kind of thing, where it was like a conference and they had like a trade show floor. And, um, I was working Adobe's booth and I had my camera and laptop and I turned around and for a split second, and I guess there's people who like target these things, Mm -hmm. uh, mainly to steal laptops and they swiped my laptop and my D4. Wow. Yeah. So there was no like being like, Hey, uh, hold everything go running looking for somebody? No, I was like, I, I sat, cause I was doing like a photo booth type thing. Right. So I had like my laptop hooked up to my printer and then I just had my camera sitting on top of my laptop and I was just kind of like, it was in within the proximity of me and being an ignorant Indiana person who like no one does anything mean to anyone like stealing. I was just like, Oh, I can set this here. Like everyone here is like, you know, business professionals not thinking that someone off the street's gonna come in dressed right. in a suit and tie with a messenger bag and what he did is he knelt down next to my stuff pretended like he was tying his shoes and then like put it into his uh satchel hmm. and then according to hotel security he like went down the like service exit where he like already knew there weren't like cameras and stuff wow yeah but it was like an, a coordinated thing because then there were two women who like distracted the other pe- people that were at like at the booth 
and like asking them questions about when things were starting and timing. And so they were facing away from the, where I was taking pictures and yeah, it was just like in and out. So they probably took much more than just a, your camera. Yeah. I took my that camera, day. my laptop and a couple other people's laptops. Yeah. Yeah. They typically go in targeting laptops, I guess, but, uh, not realizing that they got a D4 that was like only a year old. So when the police a, came, they had to bring, they had to call a detective because he's like, Oh, what is this camera? Like a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, that's like grand larceny or whatever. Like we got to call a detective in for that amount of money. I was on set on a commercial in New York and one of the assistants on this job, uh, had a airy five thirty five camera with the lens on it and the map box. And I don't know about the magazine of film, but that body alone is maybe quarter mm -hmm. mil and, um, put it down on the edge of the truck or an Apple box just really quickly. And then just turned back to the, the truck, talked to me, went back to the thing and looking around, he's like, what, what, seriously, what did I just do with the camera? And someone must've just walked by, said mine now. Mine and it's now. heavy. It's not, it's not, that thing's big. It's like probably 30, 40 pounds. But still, I was like, "Ooh, that was a big deal on set." And that they day. probably sold that camera for a thousand dollars. Yeah, that was, there was a story years ago of some dude. Panavision is the camera system you can't buy; you only mm -hmm. rent it. Still, and there was a uh, truck driver, union truck driver, that after he died, the, the wife found like all these weird paperwork or something in Mexico. And what he was doing it was he was stealing a camera here, a lens there, a case here, whatever it is from from big production companies, and they were like. Even just like one camera gone is a big deal, but mostly like smaller things. Thousands and thousands of dollars he was driving to Mexico and selling it to someone someone in Mexico. Wow. The camera system, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dustin <laughs> continuing to romanticize criminals, uh, talking about how awesome they are. Uh, surprisingly, though, Dustin, when you talked about your laptop and camera getting stolen, you didn't have that energy, that pep, that, uh, that hint of love <laughs> that I hear in all these other... Uh, yeah, it's not as fun when it happens to you. So, do we want to answer some questions from the internet? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do some Q&A. Let's do So, the first question we have is from James Kelly from the Wedding Photo Hangover Facebook group. James asks, Jimmy, when are you going to start to appreciate real Scottish whiskey and not just drink the 12 to 18-year-olds? Listen, James, first of all... <laughs> You had a you had to leave when we were out there in Scotland to go to some convention thing. Fine, so we didn't get a chance to see him when we were out there in March. And B, you know damn well that right over there is Balvini twenty one year. What else over there, babe? Balvini fifteen year. <laughs> Monkey shoulder. That's like whatever. It's just a, every day. Glenn Fittick twelve year. Uh, there was Glenn Morangi eighteen year. I'm hearing, I'm hearing a lot of Dalwini special edition. We got a Dalwini. I'm hearing a lot of 12 to Come 18 on. year olds, which is specifically what I, he told I, you I, not I, to drink. I mentioned the 21. Wait, what? That, there was that, a 21 in there? That's expensive. I mentioned, I mentioned the 21. That's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a, 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 we went to Glen Fittick mm -hmm. distillery last, uh, this past March and, um, oh man, it was great. But we, we, our trip got delayed, so I couldn't hang with James when we were out there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, we met up with a friend of mine, an old photographer I knew from, from the states even though he's he's australian <laughs> he lives in scotland now nice. <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird mix <laughs> nice what do you drink typically typically our go-to is uh glenfiddich 12 mm -hmm. year because we love it so much and we we're there um glenlivet 12 is also good it's just a good staple it's a good uh, it's at a good it's at a decent price point i like to say 
I'm, uh, the monkey shoulder is there because it's cheaper and it's like, okay, someone comes over, give them that because most of the time people don't care. <laughs> I do love Glenmorangie. I love everything about them. We like, we like, we don't really like the, the super peaty stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we would never order Arbeg, maybe Kalila, maybe Talisker if it's 18 and up. And up. McAllen is a, is a, is very syrupy to me. So yeah. We don't really drink that often. We're at a wedding though, and they they had that like given out. We're like, yeah, go, okay, yeah, we'll take a glass of it. There you go. You guys, Scotch fans? I'm mostly a bourbon drinker. Okay. I don't, I don't do a lot of Scotch. What about you, Dustin? I am going to open my mind up to Scotch <laughs> and bourbon this year. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say this week. I, I bought a bottle of bourbon uh, for the next time Stephen comes to visit, so it'll sit unopened probably forever. Yeah, probably. <laughs> How far do you guys live apart? Two hours. Oh, all right. But he lives in like the armpit of America. Most beautiful city in Indiana. Armpit of America. I wish you guys could see out my window right now. It's like a complete whiteout. Really? I got, I got sun. It's cold, but it's sunny. It's raining here and there's uh, about a foot of snow on the ground. It's terrible. So speaking of whiteout, uh, Kelly from uh, a Facebook group asked, I just got home from a wedding. I shot and found a small white bag of powder in my camera bag. The only person who put anything in my bag was the groom during portraits. I had him empty his pockets. When I went to give him his phone and keys back after portrait, it was real awkward. And the bride was watching him like a hawk. The groom was real weird too and a little aggressive. Like, What the fuck am I supposed to do now? Can I throw it away? I'm a little paranoid because of how aggressive he seemed the rest of the day. I, I, I take it it's not sugar. Or powdered <laughs> I sugar. I think it's flour. You know, he, maybe he's a baker. <laughs> maybe he is a baker. I want to do a little cupcake at the end yeah. of the wedding. Maybe he just is very aggressive with his pain management. And so he crushes up his Tylenol <laughs> and does it in powder form because it gets into his system faster. Hmm. It's really bad. He has a migraine problem. Maybe you have trouble focusing and he uh, crushes up his Adderall or his uh, Ritalin. I would, you you know what though? I mean, this is, that's, that's funny. That's a funny story. I would just be like, if he's, if this person still has his bag, whatever it is, and just hints at the groom and be like, or just says the groom, Hey, you know, I got that other item in my (laughs) bag still. Just like that. The groom's going to be like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Wherever level of legal it is you know the guy's gonna be like oh thank you so much man it, you know it's i know it's I, what else do you do i mean if you throw it out then he's he gets gonna be like at you he's like oh those are for my beignets later at the reception so i, I like extra powdered sugar on them <laughs> the beignet connoisseur <laughs> yeah he's i mean we don't know it could you know, he could be french he could just like who doesn't like good beignets I've never met somebody who didn't like a good beignet. French fried dough with powdered sugar with a little caramel dipping Jimmy, sauce. Jimmy, have you ever had an experience with uh, drugs at a wedding? Uh, just pot. You know, people smoking pot outside. That's going to be legal in New York soon, right? Uh, I, I'm, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. It's not really, I'm not really part of the community. <laughs> you don't want to see me high. I just laugh the whole time. <laughs> no, I never see anything to that level. I've seen like really drunk grooms. And a couple of drunk brides, but nothing. I don't have any crazy stories like mm-hmm. that. I've never had a no-show. Have you guys ever seen that? A no-show? A no-show? Yeah, a groom or a bride not showing up? Not yet. I, no. I've had a bride almost not show up, 
but we were able to kind of talk her off the ledge and into a loveless marriage that she's still in. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. If she ever has children and they have a terrible life, I feel like I'm probably somehow responsible for that. Maybe just send them a cinnamon roll ornament this year for Christmas, Dustin. You can break it up. You have that power. There you go. That's true. That is true. Now, she she was just a very high-strung, high-anxiety bride, and she made the mistake of having uh, the groom had like five sisters or something like that. And so she, she had all five of them as bridesmaids. And she was not like a decisive decision-making type of person. And all of them were like constantly on her all morning, asking her questions and giving their input and ideas. And it was just like pushing her to a place where she was very uncomfortable and couldn't calm down. And she was having an anxiety attack. And so what we did is we just called the groom and had him come. And we did sort of an impromptu first look to remind her like... Today is about him and you getting married and not about whether or not it's okay if your sister-in-law wears hoop earrings or long earrings or hair up or hair down. And then you called a car service to transport the bridesmaids to the wedding and had all five of the sisters get in one car and you were like, yeah, just take them far away from here. Far, far away. Take them to Jakarta. (laughs) (laughs) Call back. But yeah, that wedding... Do you guys ever have it where um, you deliver a wedding and then just never hear from the couple? Yes. Hmm. Like never, never? So that like that same bride, I like delivered the photos and I've still to this day, like I've just never heard from well, them. Well, her sister-in-laws haven't gotten done telling her their opinion yet, so she shouldn't know what to think. Exactly. No. Well, if we don't, we, we touch base and be like, hey, did you get the gallery release we haven't heard from you and they're like oh yeah yeah sorry i've been busy thank you so much everything's great i had one bride a couple years ago where i talked about this in the podcast the groom was so obnoxious Mm -hmm. and she was running so late deciding on what bra to wear and by the time we're doing the first look now of course it's almost at least well it's at least half hour late uh now it starts to rain Mm -hmm. so we can go outside and then later on in reception i wanted to bring him outside where this lighted waterfall thing is going on and he's so drunk so obnoxious he's like humping her he's like making the stupid drunk face i remember keeping those images just in case i didn't put them in the gallery but i kept them aside just in case she would complain to me i actually just found him recently going through this old Mm -hmm. drive i'm like what is this and i found that that folder (laughs) and uh but she never said anything so i was like okay but that's protecting myself to be like look this is what i had to deal with like once reception started all night anyway afterwards I released the gallery to her. Um, I don't think I blogged it because I didn't really get much blogging level material. Mm-hmm. And then I see her at another wedding and it's like maybe two months later. And I see her and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I haven't heard from you. What, I haven't heard from you about the images. And she gives me the attitude like, we still haven't gotten them yet. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I released that to you like six weeks ago. She's like, nope, didn't get them. And I'm thinking, um, how about maybe contacting me a month <laughs> after? Be like, hey, just saying hi. You want to know, we're just touching base to see where you are with the images and the edit. You know, I understand it's a busy season, mm-hmm. right? How more, more polite can you get? I would have been like, you didn't get it. I sent you the release, you know, and I had, it was a number off on the email or she changed her email, whatever it was, something was off in the email. So she didn't get it. And I was like, Ugh. I think I, I remedied that situation like that night. 
like went into my phone and, and changed it and gave it back to her. But that's just frustrating. I'm like, you know, you can just instead of giving me an attitude or talking bad about me. Yeah. It was just me that day in that wedding. You know, she's like, you know, you could have just asked. You could have just sent me an mm-hmm. email and see what's up with everything. I, that really pissed me off. Jen and I had a similar situation this last year where like at the beginning of December, we got an email from a groom who, and he was like, hey, I was wondering what was going on with our photos because we were supposed to get them within a month of the wedding and you guys had like photos up like within the week of our wedding from like all day and we never got it or anything and we like looked into everything and it turned out it was the wrong email address we'd sent it to we have no idea where this other email address came from but it like it was the bride's last name plus wedding so it looked like you know bride's last name wedding at Mm gmail.com so it was like it seemed like the right email address so we sent it to it and we thought we were done and he waited three months to say something to us and he, he was cool that i just sent him some uh i sent him two free eight by ten prints as like a i'm sorry sort of thing but i was like and these were two eight by ten prints of yeah, steven yeah. yeah they were they were toilet selfies like i i normally take at weddings excuse yeah. myself to the bathroom just get a quick shot of myself in the mirror the good stuff for my clients yeah what what uh what do you guys use for gallery release and Uploading and hosting and all that. Uh, I use Enfolio. Okay. I use Pass. I'm a, I'm a shoot proof. Okay. Just curious. They're all kind of the same. So shoot proof. Tell me about this because that's the one that I've had my eye on when I uh, run out of USB drives. Okay. Um, well, it was Pictage, if you remember that era. Yeah. They, they that kind was of, what I started with. Yeah, was they're Pictage. the pioneer of that. It was there 12, 13 years with them. And then they just said, that's it. It took a week solid for them to FTP my 12 years. Wow. <laughs> Of, of five, I have one f- massive drive. It's like Pictage from like 03 on. I was like, oh my God. So anyway, shoot proof is good. They, if you do the unlimited, you can unlimit everything you want. I, I now, because Dropbox can suck it. So I now <laughs> release even headshots. As soon as we're done with this, they I'm going to need you to it. Dropbox me the file for the. <laughs> one file is not bad. You try to do like, a, like 500 images or less and all of a sudden like 10 don't go through or 50 don't go through. You're like, I, I'm, I'm done mm-hmm. with them. So. I now even just a headshot session, which is maybe releasing three to five images retouched or the whole gallery, whatever it is, I do on Shootproof. And then I can download from there as well. They can, if you have the power to let them download full res, high res, with watermark, without, whatever the case is, it's another out, another means of backup, which is, you know, offsite mm-hmm. somewhere. And mm-hmm. uh, you can categorize from weddings to this and that. If you do switch, you're going to allot some, a lot of time to set up your, your page because there's a lot of options there. I really, really like it. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. When I do a headshot session, I'll, uh, like a studio shot, I'll I, I sometimes rather have them decide what images to retouch if it's like a decent package because then I don't have to sit there with them going back and forth on a computer uh, in studio. I can do the shoot, concentrate on that. We look a little bit here and there and then let them pick. And I use Shootproof for that. Totally, it's great. See what what I like about Shootproof is, uh, from what I've heard, is their ability to like they give you sort of this promise that they will sell enough prints for you to cover your yearly subscription of Shootproof. I uh, never heard that, but it it does it does pay mm-hmm. off. Yeah, like their um, slogan is it like it pays for itself? Maybe. Um... I go back and forth on uh, expiring a gallery or not. Lately, I just haven't, because if I, because then inevitably the couple contacts me a year later saying, "Hey, can we make the 
gallery active again. I want to buy some more prints. I'm like, fine. So I just leave it up there. That was a pictage, um, uh, motive, if you will, where they would, you know, automatically set it to three months expiration. It would generate more sales maybe. And mm-hmm. I, you know, you can go back and forth on that topic, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm very, very happy with shoe proof. I love the way it looks. I love the way it looks for the client. Um, it's very easy to navigate. Uploading is fantastic. Uh, uh, I'm I'm 100% on board. I wish the one thing they would do, and I mentioned this in the past to them, is that when you look at your thumbnail, you can see if your contact for the gallery viewed the gallery. A little flag, a little dot, a color, something. Yeah. So that, that what we talked about earlier doesn't happen again, where you can just go in and look and be like, oh yeah, so-and-so viewed the gallery. I'm good. You, know, you got to go in and see. You got a few clicks away to check if the person went in and actually saw it. That's a frustrating thing for me yeah. in the past too, as I looked at the the gallery like the day before and there's like no indication of if somebody saw it on the thumbnail. And so I went into the gallery and I saw it had zero views. And then like the next day we got the email before I'd like decided, Hey, I definitely need to email my client to see why they haven't viewed the thing. And then like the next day we got an email saying, and we don't have her photos yet. What's going on? You know, mm-hmm. <sighs> that kind of stuff's frustrating. I like, I like that idea a lot of something on the thumbnail that just says seen or not seen. Yep. Yep. Just a, a simple thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Steve, do you want to do one more question? One more question. Taylor from Facebook group asks, I was shooting a bunch of guys during the groomsmen portraits and they were sloshed. They said they wanted to do a cool shot. Next thing I know, they are all buck naked in front of me, the bride and the bridesmaids. The bride left me a one-star review claiming I forced the guys to get naked to take awkward pictures of them. I in no way wanted that to happen. Is there any way I can get her to change that review? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, if, if I think that's... If it's the not, you can, you can uh, open a case with them and they act as a judge and they hear both sides kind of thing. And they're very fair yeah. about it. Wedding wire. Not so much. We had one with the knot and the, we won because the bride was just crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's nuts. If my advice to that, to her, the photographer, her, yeah. right? You said, yeah. Well, um, Taylor is could be a guy or a girl, I guess. Okay. That's a good point. Um, Oh yeah. Our videographer is Taylor. So I just, I think Taylor woman, but, um, if you, if he or she has any images not released still on the card, like I talked about before with the drunk groom, you know, doing the, 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 the mm-hmm. humping her and everything, <laughs> at yep. least you have something else to be like, there's no way I said any of this. And here's the, the leftovers that I didn't include because you can clearly see them taking their clothes off, taking their pants off, being laughing and funny and never looking at me when there's direction going on. And if you, I guess you could even put a time frame to it and be like, if I did tell him this, then how would it take place in this time frame? Because where would I say? You know what I mean? You can you can spin it to mm-hmm. make it look like it didn't happen, and I believe her or him that it didn't happen. That's crazy. That's like totally naked. <laughs> I, I feel like Taylor. Uh, this this one, in my opinion, is a no brainer. Um, you simply say to bride. Um, how would you like to see all of those photos on Facebook? They wouldn't stay on Facebook, Dustin. <laughs> on BuzzFeed. There we go. There, yeah. How would you like me to send these to HuffPost? Um, how about we turn that one star into five star on all of those review sites? 
um, or else you're going to see your husband and his best buds um, booty cheeks all over the interwebs. You're going to see your husband and his best buds dongers all over the internet. And I know how to use Photoshop so I can make them look real small. (laughs) Yeah. And then on top of that, you're going to be buying my biggest wedding album. So, in fact, it's it's going to be bigger, twenty four by twenty four. Yeah, I like this. Now we're blackmailing the person who left the bad review. No, just flipping the scripts, my friend. That's yeah. what I'm all about. Because you hold Taylor, you hold all the power here. Good point. <laughs> the bride is leaving the one star review because she's trying to use like her little edge of power to make you think she does. And she's waiting to see if you respond appropriately with, uh, these photos are now going out all over the web. You know, that's really not a bad idea to <laughs> maybe not word it like that, but to be like, uh, you know, I, I got your review. I'm very disappointed. Um, this was 100% not my, uh, be, uh, making of them do that or suggesting even, and then saying that, you know, if this is the case you fully, you're aware and, and, and everyone else is that I own the copyright to this. And this is going to be a very funny blog to me. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay thirsty, my that, friend. That review and we'll and then end it there. And then the bride will definitely be like, no, no, you can't do that. Please do you do that. I'll sue you. I'm like, well, then how about you, ret- you negate that negative review? And maybe I'll think about twice about this. Yeah. Stand your ground, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Taylor, Absolutely. come on. Stand your ground. I never, I never backed down. I've had people ask for like, uh, uh, I had a bride who was like, smoking the whole time outside never around and then complained afterwards that there wasn't a photos of her but she didn't want me shooting her smoking i'm like oh, dude, what do you want from me i'm like you're you were smoking the whole day and she wanted a refund i'm like there's no way i'm refunding you <laughs> a refund yeah the last conversation i think i said to her was this is years ago i was like oh five or six or maybe seven and i said um i said you talk to any other competent photographer show them the gallery let them can't have that person contact me if they think I did a bad job, I'll refund you 100%. Never heard from them. But this is a case of like, you know, crazy crazy people. There's some crazy people out there. That's why I love the Secret Life podcast. Yes. I mean, Natalie and I talk about that all the time, but we can't, we can't talk bad about clients. And even though our intention might be good, it's like it could spin the wrong mm-hmm. way. And even Lisa said that, or one of them said that last week, like the husband was like, we, you do this podcast, we're not going to have a business soon after because, you know, they don't hold anything back. But um. That was, that was a good episode last time. Yeah. I don't know. That's, going back to that couple with the thing, I, I think I, I like your idea, Justin, <laughs> Dustin, just to, just to maybe be like, hey, you want to play ball here? Fine. That's right. That's, that's how we run our business. That's why we've been doing it for 11 years. And uh, now we're out. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, where can people find you online? They can find me online at jamesferrara.com, F-E-R-R-A-R-A. And all social is at J for our photo for Instagram. And I don't do anything with Twitter. And then, uh, uh no, the no, Facebook. Twitter, Twitter, I believe is the red velvet man. Is the, that the I, okay. I did there just to, you know, for my boy, Ryan, but, um, <laughs> and, the, and the Facebook page, if you search J for our photography, you'll mm-hmm. find it. Awesome. Gotcha. Jimmy, thank you so yeah. much for coming on and sharing stories oh, with thank us. Thank you for having me, man. This is so cool. Putting Darren Aronofsky on blast because he deserves it. He's <laughs> one of our biggest listeners. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast with Dustin and Steve. And this week with Jimmy, too. If you want to help us out, jump on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a five-star review. If you want to connect, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wedding Photo Hangover or on Twitter at Wedpick Hangover. 
Dustin is on Instagram at Dustin underscore McKibben. And Stephen is at Stephen Van Allen. If you want to get involved with the awesome community of listeners, join the Wedding Hangover Facebook group. If you really want to warm our hearts out, head on over to anchor.fm slash wedding photo hangover and you can sign up to support us for as little as 99 cents a month. It's extremely helpful to us in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time your head is pounding, your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being aches for the sweet embrace of death. That's right, next Sunday after you shoot... Shoot another, another wedding. wedding. You shooting a wedding next weekend? No, man. No, I I'm in a, so. I'm in a, or not in a wedding. I'm a guest at a wedding this weekend. What? Yeah, but there's a winter storm warning for the day of the wedding, so we might not end up going because it's like an hour away. So, who's shooting the wedding? No, I don't think they have a photographer. What? It's uh, one of How Jen's cousins. They're just like pictures. That's not important. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I'll just remember this with my memories. Yeah. I, my raw memories. Maybe I just have it wrong. Maybe I just don't know who the photographer is. Let's, you know, we haven't done this in a while. Let's read a five-star review. The fivest of stars. Dustin, do you want to read a five-star review? Do you got one pulled up? Let me, yep. Hold on. I keep a running tally with the LED screen um, with them as they come in. All right. This one just came in. Uh, this one reads so good that's the title and then it reads i'm loving you guys as a professional photographer of 15 years in new york i can tell you these guys are great give them a listen my gosh professional photographer of 15 years 15 years i feel like we just had a guy on who's been a professional photographer for 15 doesn't you know what the name was on Uh, that one uh let me let me look. Um, uh, screen name is Jimmy Cam. I guess we just we'll never know who left that review. Co- coincidental? Man, I don't know. Mm. Crazy. Small world, <laughs> big world. I don't know. Dustin, you got to pack your whole house up. You're moving soon, yep. so uh, yep. We got to cut this one short. You got to finish calling a wedding before you start packing, right? Goodbye, Stephen. Bye. <laughs>